You know how nutrition experts always talk about how weight loss is about more than just calories in versus calories out? Well, in this episode, we dive into exactly what that means and why our behaviors around food are actually the biggest limiting factors to our success. If you don't know who I am, my name is Ben Brown, and I'm the owner of BSL Nutrition, an online nutrition coaching company that helps you change your belief system around what it means to be healthy. Today, I'm catching up with my friend Jared Hamilton, CEO of Hamilton Train, to discuss why your beliefs around food are getting in the way of your success. In this episode, we talk about much of the deep and foundational factors at play for why we can have such a hard time losing weight despite quote unquote knowing what to do and some of the powerful strategies we can employ to both identify and overcome these root behaviors. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Jared Hamilton, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm great. I would love to obviously share, I mean, the reason you're on this podcast is your wealth of knowledge. And and I (laughs) I think you really do kind of take a a different approach to health and wellness and fitness and nutrition and all that stuff. And so one of the things that you tend to focus a little bit more on with respect to your coaching is kind of this element of inner work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guess I would love just a, a brief kind of idea for our listeners of what it is that you do in your business. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a really good question. Um, There's a statement that I like to give um, where I say outer work without inner work doesn't work. Because the reason I say that is most people, and this is like, I accidentally found this little sweet spot where like we coach and where I feel most fulfilled in my teaching and things like that is this like what I call the middle ground, right? Like we have... Um, let's say over here on one far side, we have hardcore fitness, weight loss, diet, culture, all of that. Let's call that far one side. Then we have the far other side where we have like mental health, emotional health and stability, therapy, inner work, journaling, meditating, all of that. Well, those are all fine and dandy, but there's a middle ground where they intersect that where most people, to be honest, need to be at. Because about three years ago, I wasn't feeling good about the space. I wasn't feeling good about where me and my company was at in the space. I just felt like something wasn't right. I felt was feeling heavy, all these things. Well, it's because like I I noticed like everyone who would at that point in time, like three years ago, who would come into coaching, who would be coming into our ecosystem, we would just be like, dope, let's like, assuming everything's all systems go, go like metabolically, let's like get these people to lose the weight. Let's get them where they mm-hmm. want to be. And we'd start down that journey. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, Mrs. Jones binge eats every other day. Okay, fuck. All right. We got to fix that. Fix that. Got her moving down weight loss. No problems. Cool. Moving on. Then it's like, oh no, this guy has identity issues and it's causing him to sabotage every time he makes progress. Okay. We got to handle that, get him back on track, all those sorts of things. But the problem is like, we had all these things like what I would, let's say you have a binge eating, emotional eating, sabotaging food relationships, food guilt, um, a fucked up mental health as it applies to weight loss, knowing what to do, but not doing it. Consistency issues, discipline issues, like the list goes on. But the thing is, what I found is that's what's stopping most people. Like most even coaches I talk to would agree. Those are the things that's stopping someone from making progress. But I found no one knows how to teach to fix those because the issue is those issues for most people only trigger when they go to lose weight, right? But those issues can't be solved with more weight loss. If you binge eat, more calorie restriction doesn't help. If you know what to do, but don't do it, 
a bigger strength train protocol isn't going to change anything. If you have really fucked up relationships with food and you're struggling with food guilt and overwhelm and scared to go out to eat because of a cheeseburger bun, then more of a keto diet plan is not going to help solve those problems. So this is where I see where there's this gap in the, in the middle ground, which is like, we have a, I mean, my, it's the reason I, I always use this term dieting from the inside out. Like my podcast is called dieting from the inside out. The entire first phase of our coaching program is called dieting from the inside out because the whole concept is before we can go diet hard and really lean into weight loss and make all the aesthetic goals happen, we have to do what I call diet from the inside out and fix all these underlying issues as they pertain to weight loss, because it's what's stopping most people from getting to where they want to be. Yeah. Well said. And I think when you've been doing this long enough, invariably you end up realizing that these are all the the issues that people are navigating when it comes to the reasons why they quote unquote can't lose weight or yeah. why they'll lose on all of the different fad based overly restrictive dieting methodologies, why they think it just comes into calories in calories mm-hmm. out, you know, certain exercise protocols, quote unquote, knowing, like you said, no, I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. Well, there's a reason why you can't do it, right? It's all of these issues related around food, food behaviors, sense of self, all of those types Mm -hmm. of things. And, and, and similar to you, and I'd love to know how you started to root these things out for me and for our coaching program, because I've been doing this a very long time. And I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it's taken us this long to really start to dig into that mm. stuff at the end of the day, it really comes down to the conversations that our coaches are having with their clients yep. that aren't revolving around why you didn't hit your protein goals right. or why you're, <laughs> you know, why you're yeah. not at 10,000 steps. Like yeah. they're, they matter, but it's the nuances yeah. around why we're seeing the inconsistencies mm-hmm. therein invariably coming back to all of these inner issues. So what I'm hearing is that you're really just overtly kind of one of the only ones, in my opinion, like really overtly talking about it, right? It's saying like, look, this is, this is really, really present because frankly, I don't think it's what people want to hear. No, no one wants to hear it. It's so it's, it's, it's literally also like, I have business professionals that are like, that's really hard to sell. And I'm like, yeah, you're telling me, but it's mm. what's in my heart and what's in my gut. And I just can't sleep at night unless I sell it. So like, like not necessarily even in monetary ways, but like getting people to understand that, like, this is the thing that's stopping you from losing weight. Whether you ever pay me a dime until you get through your, the, whatever the thing is, the binge eating, the sabotage, the emotional eating, the unconscious sabotage, the identity, the inner child, as it applies to weight loss, all of that shit you'll never make it like, cause mm-hmm. here's what my favorite question to ask people who are not bought in is this. I go, if I could just whip out my magic genie, Jared powers and just snap my fingers and your 50 pounds, dis- just disappears. Would you be good? And most people go, Oh, not at all. Okay. Well, so that's a really interesting point to bring up. Cause if, if I could snap my fingers and you and take your, the weight you're trying to lose away, but like your problems don't go away. And what mm. problems are we referring to? They're like, oh, I would have no idea how to maintain it. So I would gain it back. I would still be scared to go on date night. I wouldn't know how to integrate my favorite foods into this. I would still mm-hmm. uh, step on the scale and it would fluctuate even though I'm the way I want to be. And I would spiral out of control. I would still find some way to sabotage and ruin it. I'd find some way to still be unhappy. Then it's like, okay, then if you just said magic genie powers would not take your problems away, why are we trying to white knuckle through weight loss? Why are we trying to force this thing? So my logical brain says, well, how about we take a good old break from weight loss and stop being so obsessed with losing weight by tomorrow 
and go through each of these issues. Food relationships, let's fix it. Relationship with yourself, let's fix it. Mental health as it applies to weight loss, let's fix it. Your whole like scared to go out to dinner because of a fucking hamburger bun, let's fix it. Knowing what to do but not doing it, being just not disciplined and not consistent and not sustainable with anything you do, let's fix each of those. Because then I ask this, I go, if I could fix that entire list, do you think you would struggle losing weight? And everyone goes, oh, not at all. I go, there we go. So we have our order backwards. So that's why this list is so important to get through first. The Let's take a break from weight loss, fix your inner foundation if we want to sound really airy-fairy about it, then go into weight loss. Yeah, definitely. And, and one of the things I'm observing, most people are like, it's really not about the weight. It's right? not. It's what well, we know it's not, right. but now they know it's not. Yeah. Whereas before, it really was thinking like, okay, if I could just get rid of this last 10 pounds, then I'll finally be happy, whatever. And you and I both know that it's not, but I'm what I'm hearing, and I don't know if you're observing this or not, but they're realizing that too, to the degree that I think it, mm-hmm. it lends itself to your case of actually why your methodology is such a big differentiator. Sure. Because they realize, oh shit, like, okay, <laughs> you know, I've done keto three times, I've done HCG, I've done Octavia, yeah. I've done the medical weight loss. Hmm, let's see. Maybe I really do need to root into right. like what is going on inside yeah. that's keeping me from 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 making the progress that I feel like I want to mm-hmm. make. So I just thought that was that was relevant. I mean, are you sure. seeing that? Uh, yes and no. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a dichotomy. Um, yeah, I think, yes, I think there's a level of like, if we call it the consciousness around that uh, collectively, like across the spectrum of people is starting to change. Otherwise I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> Otherwise our coaching business would not be doing They'd so They'd be well. like, wait, inner work? Nah. Right. What's that? Um, like it's, but, but then at the same time, I still get people that think carb store fat. So then it's like, what kind of rock have you been living under? You know what I mean? Where it's like, like I was, it's, it's like, even today I was on the phone with a lady who was convinced 1200 calories is, is it as she weighs like way more than what she should. It's like, it's like at the same time, it's like, we see so much polarities of this, but here's the fascinating part. I knew I was in a good groove with this. When I started having therapists hire us, like one of our bigger demographics was um, like, we all have, like, if you look at your coaching business, you're like, Oh, we yeah. hire a lot. We get a lot of nurses. We get a lot of you know, whatever's like single moms, teachers, whatever. I noticed a huge plethora of people was therapists. And I'm like, why is a therapist hiring me to work through their relationship with food, their binge eating, their emotionally, and their sabotaging, their, their issues around self-deprecation, all these things. And I'm like, this is super interesting. And we were talking about it and they're like, bro, they don't teach us this in our practice. They don't teach us coming up. It's like in the, to get their whatever credentials with being a therapist. They're like, we don't, they don't teach us this kind of stuff as it applies to the, these kind of things. Cause here's the biggest piece though. And I noticed this with coaching these kind of, with people struggling with this stuff. We can't also separate these issues too far away from weight loss. Cause that's the trigger. Like, imagine if I said this, imagine if I said, Ben, I know you're scared of heights. I'm going to teach you how to get over the fear of heights, but you're never going to have to get on anything tall. That doesn't quite make a lot of sense logically. It's right. like the like I'm cool, I'm zen as fuck at the bottom of a ladder, but about halfway up, it's like we start to get uncomfortable. So the height is what triggers the fear response. So if you step in on the scales, what causes you to sabotage because it weighed too much, or if progress is making you sabotage because it's affecting your identity because you're comfortable being overweight, or let's say. Um, certain foods trigger you and you want to just binge on it and spiral out of control. Well, if I separate you too much from that stuff, like 
then it's, it's, of course you're feeling good. Like we got rid of the Oreos. So of course you're not going to binge on the Oreos, but then when you come back to the Oreos, you still can't have just one. This is why we have to be able to do this still in like what I call in the container of weight loss, but still a little bit separate. Like when we're going through this first stage with people, we're not trying to get them to lose weight. I'll literally tell someone on a fucking sales call, our stage one, I don't give two shits if you lose any weight because it doesn't matter. All I care about is we're going to get you through your binge eating, stop your emotional eating and your sabotage, fix all that stuff. Then weight loss is pretty, pretty simple and pretty easy after that. But I don't give a shit if you lose any weight in our stage one. And a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. But, but then logically speaking, not binge eating is a hell of a calorie deficit. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where we have to do this work within like the container of weight loss, but not trying to do it at the same time, but not totally separating it. I've seen so many people basically stop weight loss stuff altogether and go work with a therapist, go work with like a food freedom coach or whatever. And they get good. Then they come back to weight loss and it all triggers all over again because mm-hmm. they separate it too, too much. Like getting Zen as fuck at the bottom of a ladder than thinking you're not scared of heights anymore. I'm curious what made you kind of get into this arena? That's a great question. So a few things, number one, my own journey in my own self-exploration and going to therapy and diving into the stuff myself. So I, a couple of things, there was that side of it. Like when I started, like a few years ago, when I started going to therapy, I still go to therapy to this day. Like I have a monthly maintenance session where I go to therapy every month. Um, and diving in and learning to like about my own emotions, learning about my own triggers, my own inner child stuff, my own childhood stuff, my own, um, how to sit with and handle those things and the truth about emotions and triggers and the habits based in those triggers and all that stuff. So my own life changed like that when I started doing that shit on myself between my own studies, my own work, and then in therapy. And that's when I was like, Oh, a lot of other dope shit is changing, which is pretty cool. And then alongside inside coaching, I would see all this stuff happen as well, but in that arena, right? Um, so like we would see the people who are binge eating, but like we can't handle that with more calorie restriction or more whatever. So we would have to handle that differently. And then it was, it became one of my favorite subjects to study. Like half the books behind me are all about psychology, habits, behavior change, all of that stuff. And so mm-hmm. basically blending all these worlds together became really fascinating because then now I viewed it as my moral obligation when I know what the root cause is, right? It's like, I literally had a moral issue. If I knew their issue was deeper, I would have a moral obligation problem not going there and just giving them surface level results so I can show a cool set of before and after pictures on Instagram. Like, oh, yeah. ah, I got, I, from a, it's like once you, once, once the mind's been expanded, it can't contract. And it's one of those things. Like once I'm aware, I'm like, oh fuck, not only do I know it's truly causing this, but I know I can change their life forever right now with just a couple things of this weird shit that people think with like inner work and emotional, uh, emotional equanimity and things like that. So that's, that's where all that started and how I got into that realm. And on top of it, I love talking about it. Like it's one of my favorite things. Like I used to love just talking like weight loss talk and like how to like dial in, like, you know, like get body fat levels low, do bodybuilding shit and how to optimally train your arms. But I could give two shits about that stuff anymore. And now it's like, oh, you want to talk about your inner child issues from what mom taught you about how to lose weight when she put you on Weight Watchers when you were 11? Mm. Let's fucking open up that can of worms. And then your life will never be the same. And just because I've seen so much of that stuff in my life be the case. So that's, that's kind of how I got into that arena. Okay. So over the last few years of doing this, like what are the most frequent issues that you see recurring day in and day out with clients that are limiting their ability to lose weight? That's such a great question. Uh, most people believe everything they think and feel. 
And then that's right. 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 Like, uh, that, that's such a big one. Most people, yeah. here's the thing. There's a difference between holding space for what you feel. Like if you're like, if your kid was sad, you would probably not say, shut the fuck up. Here's some cereal. Cause you're not allowed to be sad around me. That's what emotional eating is. You're doing that to your inner child. So, but if you're, if you're, if your kid's dog died, you would hold space for them. You would be like, I'm sorry, buddy. Like, yeah, I know this sucks. You would let them be upset in your presence. But when we're upset, we think everything we think is true. Like you feel like a lost cause. You actually think you are a lost cause. You feel hopeless. You actually are convinced you're hopeless. So, um, or how many times we see clients like making progress, they just don't think they're making progress. So it right. must be true. So I would say number one is most people believe everything they think and feel. That's a massive no-no. Imagine, okay, as a dad, this is my favorite way to word this. As a dad, could you imagine how crazy your life would be is if every thought your child thought you had to make true? How like crazy, like, it's like, daddy, you're stupid. You're like, okay, honey, I guess daddy is stupid. I don't want to go to school today. I guess you Mm -hmm. don't have to go to school today, but our minds are like children. Your old self in psychology is like a child. You have an inner child. So when your inner child is throwing a mini hissy fit and you, and someone's like, I feel worthless, then that person is usually convinced they are worthless. And it's like, you can think something and, and feel something, but not believe it to be true. How do we help them create the separation between the thoughts and the feelings and, and actually the facts of, of what's really going yeah. on? Approach it the same way you would with a child. Like, what would you do if your child said something that was not true? That they're like, no, um, I, I feel like school is too hard. I want to quit school. You would probably have a very logically driven conversation mm. with them. But like, how many people do we see? Oh, the weight's not coming off. I'm going to quit. Actually, what's funny is I have a really polarizing piece of content I like to say that I talk about is like, what would you do if your if your kids base their life success principles off of your diet history? Like quick fixes, cool, they're gonna quick fix. Oh, they don't get their way, so they quit and throw in the towel. Your kid's gonna quit school and throw in the towel. You know what I'm saying? It's the same kind of thing. So, in order to get to the bottom of that, like how to, how to handle it when you have these thoughts that are not true and these feelings that are not true, is number one, like actually attack it logically and question it. What's funny is questioning a belief or questioning an unconscious program is one of the most powerful ways to immediately take power away from it. Like I'm sure everyone listening to this has had a moment where they believe something, whether it was political, whether it was religious, whether it was something. And then all someone did was question you about it. And all of a sudden your certainty dropped, right? I believe this. And then someone just goes, are you sure? Are you positive? Are you 110% positive? And all of a sudden, you're questioning your own beliefs now that you were raised with. You know what I mean? You, it's 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 fascinating what happens to a belief when you start to question it and poke holes in it. Certainty yeah. levels drop. So like when someone's, let's say let's say a client is, is struggling and they're like, oh, I feel like a lost cause. Or I'm sorry. No, here's what we'll do this one. I feel like I should have made more progress by now. Because and then people make bad decisions. They quit. They throw in the towel. They whatever. It's like, okay, why do you feel like that? Right. Is that is that true? Is your adherence actually been there where you should have seen more progress by now? Like on paper, is it even plausible to lose 30 pounds of body fat in 30 days? Like a lot of this is just logically questioning our own thoughts. Question what you think. Too often we're programmed to believe everything that we think and feel. But Or the other thing people do wrong is they run away from the feeling. You feel sad, so you go hide sad with food. You are overwhelmed. So you go power clean your house instead of actually getting to the bottom of that. Mm -hmm. So instead of, but the only way we we can only question a belief and a feeling is if we actually sit with it. Imagine you and I trying to have a conversation. If I run from you, you're good luck. It's not going to happen. But if we have these crazy thoughts and emotions and we just run from them, we can't question them and, and kind of interrogate them logically. And that's one of the the easiest ways to get to the bottom of it is, is literally ask, is this true? 
is it 110% beyond a shadow of a doubt true? And is this so true? I would say the exact same thing to my best friend right now. Mm -hmm. Between those three questions, it, it kills it. Yeah, I, we do something similar. And, and I, I really like the idea of sitting with that, of, of, of noticing and observing like, okay, well, what's actually going on here? Yeah. Like one, and what I, we talk about often is like, what are the facts here? Like what mm -hmm. legitimately is happening? What's happening on the scale? What's happening with intake? You know, if we're talking about yep. this, like, right, what are the objective variables here that we're seeing now? What am I feeling and what am I thinking? Right. And because of that, what is the story that I'm telling myself around what's happening? And, and is that rooted in, right, the, the yeah. hard data, right, the objective yeah. data? Or is this something that by virtue of me actually sitting with it and separating myself from the story that I'm telling myself, I'm realizing, okay, this is illogical and therefore here's what I can do. Mm -hmm. instead. And I like the analogy of like, if we're having a conversation, I make you feel in the slightest bit uncomfortable. And then you take off. You're like, <laughs> well, you know, right. like how can we ha have any sort of rational conversation and come right. to, you know, a solution here? So I, I think that's great. And so you talked about there was like most people believing everything that they think and feel what's another common kind of recurring theme that you see with respect to inner work. Yeah. yeah. Not sitting with their darkness. So this is a huge one. Like let's take emotional eating for example. Emotional eating is you trying to suppress is trying to suppress or distract the icky things you feel. You had a bad day at work, you dive into ice cream because you want to not feel so bad anymore, right? You um, are fighting with your spouse or your partner and like they said some nasty things and all of a sudden Taco Bell sounds like a really good idea and getting like $80 worth of Taco Bell, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's because it, it's you're you're getting either a little dopamine hit from the food, mm -hmm. but then when you constantly overeating and now you're full and now you're just constantly shoving food in your mouth, you don't have to reckon with what's directly in front of you. But the problem is that's so fleeting. Not only does it fucking, fucking destroy your fat loss progress because it's really hard to lose weight when you binge eat every other night. But then number two, from an inner child perspective, it's wrecking you mentally and emotionally. Imagine a child. This is, this is the, my favorite analogy. Imagine if your son or daughter um, saw their dog get ran over by a car. They're playing out in the yard. The dog gets flattened. And your child is all over the place. They're upset. They're worried. They're sad. They're traumatized. They've got all this stuff going on. And they run into the house. And then I would ask, what would you do as mom or dad? Most people say, oh, I would love them. I would hold them. I would let them cry. I would be with them. I would encourage them. Dope. Not a single fucking soul will say they would, they would shove cereal down their throat and say, get out of my face. You're not allowed to feel that. Not a single mm -hmm. parent would do that. But that's what, when someone emotionally eats, that's what, what happens. You are saying, you're not allowed to feel this. Hide this shit with some ice cream. That's literally what's happening. But too often, like that's number one is that's not how we solve any conflict. First and foremost, I thought you and I have a problem. It's not going to get better with us distracting each other from whatever. We need to have a rational conversation. But the issue is the darkness is still part of you. So if you're refusing to accept part of you, you're literally like it, it's 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 terrible for your headspace, your your mental health, and your emotional health. And it's over time going to numb you emotionally right? Because numb is numb. You can't just pick to numb to the negative and be cool with the positive. Like if, if I had shoulder surgery and they put anesthesia in, yeah, I'm not going to feel them cut me open, but I'm not going to feel a massage either. Numb is numb. So when you over the years numb to negative emotions with food or refuse to sit and allow yourself to feel the not so good feelings, then all of a sudden you'll find you're not as joyous. You're not as grateful. You're not as happy. You're not as present. All these great emotions. But 
The thing is running and hiding from negative emotions is actually one of the biggest things that's going to keep them there. We all know an emotion or experience like fear. If I run from fear, it's only going to get worse. Because to be honest, if we're being logical, half the reason fear is a thing is because you don't want it here. If I'm, mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm scared of heights, the longer I don't want to be on the roof, the more I'm going to stay scared. But what ha- we all know when we face a fear, we hold space for it, it eventually dissipates and goes away, which is why most people are terrified of heights skydives and they're ready to go back up the next, the next second. Things like anxiety, depression, worry, overwhelm, scarcity, all these negative emotions, we have to honor them and hold space for them. This is why a lot of therapists will say, hey, pull up a chair for your anxiety or just dare I say it, let yourself feel anxious, let yourself feel sad. And when you hold space for it and, and look at this thing as if it's like another person, if it was your child, say, you know, nobody, it's okay to be sad. Your grandpa died. It's okay to be sad. You would never tell your kid, no, don't be sad because grandpa died. It's we have, when we allow ourselves to hold space for these emotions, it's not only mentally great for you and emotionally great for you from a long-term headspace perspective, but now you're not distracting with the pantry. But then also now you gave those rooms to emotionally, they, they now have space to leave because you're not trying to force them. You're like, mm-hmm. no, it's cool to be here. Now they have a tendency to dissipate because at the end of the day, that's how, how I like to word it is um, think of your emotions. Like you're supposed to feel all of them. Like the concept of feeling is healing, but like what happens when you need to go to the bathroom and you go, no, I'm not allowed to go. You get, we'll call it constipated. It's a very, imagine if you just suppressed every time you need to take a shit, it would get very bad very quickly. But what happens when you go to the bathroom regularly, things stay chill. It's the same thing. Emotionally, most people are emotionally Mm -hmm. constipated. They're like, no, I don't like this feeling. I'm not going to let myself feel it. Then they end up breaking down or blowing up or sabotaging or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's, that's deep. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost as if, right. Giving ourselves permission to just sit in those emotions that we experience to get more comfortable with them, acknowledge them, consistently check in with ourselves by virtue of getting more and more comfortable with those emotions, then obviously uh, they start to be not as severe in terms of the Mm -hmm. repercussions Uh, and us just not masking them by, oh, no, it's coming on again. I just need to ignore it. I'll go eat something. I'll go drink something. I'll go do something that's going to completely change my -hmm. brain state. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally like, I, it's a gross analogy, but imagine only being allowed to go to the bathroom once a week. It's going to be crazy, right? It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a big deal, but, but you go to the bathroom every single day, probably multiple times a day. So it's not that big of a deal. Same thing emotionally. If you always bottle up your stuff and go, I'm not allowed to feel it's no wonder you have these big breakouts of like mm-hmm. binge eating or sabotaging mm-hmm. or blowing up on your partner or going through a massive depressive cycle or panic attacks. Versus what if every day you checked in with yourself and it's like, hey, man, you're allowed to feel a little sad. You're allowed to feel a little anxious. You're allowed. Like, it's cool. And you know, being with it, it never builds up. What's some of the ways or, or one of the best ways you found to help people become more aware of these unconscious programs? Because I think, like, you know, to some degree, like we talked about before, is I think people are becoming more aware yeah. that there's something underlying, that it's not sure. so much about the weight at the same time is we don't really know exactly what it is that's contributing. Is this mm-hmm. the, you know, six-year-old me that used to get scolded, right? And, or, or whatever it right. is. So how do you help people become more aware of those unconscious programs? There's, there's a saying I use, I go, you cannot overcome yourself without being with yourself. Like most people who have all these issues, I would ask, how often are you actually undistracted with yourself? I'm not talking about on your phone. I'm not talking about half-ass washing your kids while you're like farting around on Facebook. I'm talking about talking about 
how often and how many, how long per day are you actually undistracted and with yourself? Most people are at zero or like maybe like 37 seconds, right? Because because here's the thing. Most people live distracted. They Most people live live totally distracted. You wake up, you immediately get on your phone. So now you're instantly reactive. Then you combat whatever's on Facebook or the ill thoughts when you're scrolling through Instagram. Like, I wish I had that life. I wish I looked like them. I can't believe they posted this, whatever. Then you get ready to go to work. You go to work, you hate your job all day, or you do your thing all day, taking care of your the company, whatever. You come home, you deal with shit with the kids. Then you make dinner, dishes, the whole nine yards, get the kids tucked in. You go to bed and then you get on your phone again until you fall asleep. Most people, that's your life. You have, you act, you don't have any time actually with you. Then you're wondering why it's almost like you always end up back to where you started and you're not aware of what's going on under the surface. Cause it's a proven fact that like 80, 90% of your actions every day are subconscious. Like it's just, pr- it's proven fact. So if you're totally unaware every single day, it's no wonder you're like always in and back way over, the, over here. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's no wonder. This is why you take time every day to brush your teeth. You take time every day to put in your contacts. Most people listening to this probably take time throughout the week to go to the gym, to whatever your priority is to take care of your kids. Well, you need to do that for you now. You need to say, hey, every night before I go to bed, I'm going to sit in silence and let whatever comes up, come up. Um, I'm going to um, journal my emotions every single every single night before I go to bed. Hey, every day before I get my day started, I'm literally going to just journal what I feel. I'm going to just sit in silence. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. You cannot get over yourself and fix yourself without being with yourself, right? I, if my wife and I have, have an issue going on, it cannot get fixed if I refuse to sit with her and talk with her. The same thing goes with all these inner game issues. That's why at the beginning of the call, I said, all these issues that you're struggling with have nothing to do with weight loss. It's a you to you thing, food relationships, binge eating, emotional, all the whole nine yards. But if you won't fucking sit with yourself for five minutes, or if you won't be allow yourself to hold space for your emotions for five minutes, you'll never get on the other side of this. Have you read the book, The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter? <laughs> uh, so it's it's a great book that I'm, I'm just finishing up, but, but something you mentioned there made me think of essentially the point of the book is really talking about how we develop resilience as humans. And it has a lot to do with just our reptilian brain and it has sure. a lot to do with how we've evolved and it has a lot to do with basically this hunter-gatherer mentality, mm-hmm. but really just of how when we are bored, when we are not actually stimulated is really when we can be the most creative, when we can be the happiest, when we're not bogged down by shit all of the time. Like we don't need all of the possessions. In fact, we very clearly know that some of the people in the world with the least amount of possessions are are the happiest and sometimes the healthiest and all of these types of things. And really what's happened over the years. And now I, I think you're considerably, how old are you? 30. You're 30. So I'm 43. So I'm considerably older, but, but kind of one of the things he talked about was my generation. Um, I was born 79, but my generation was one of the last generations that really had the freedom to like run and play outside Mm -hmm. undisturbed, like, you know, mom yelling when this, when the streetlights go on, you're inside for dinner. And then of course, media started and the kids faces on the milk cartons and the fear mongering and all this stuff to the irrational fear that parents like didn't want to let their kids even go outside Mm -hmm. to then devices. And now kids are trapped inside on their devices. And my point in all of this is 
since the introduction of uh, media and stimulation through light and devices, our anxiety has increased by like 80 to 90%. And it's no wonder, like you said, is we're just lost in one is we don't even know who we are. We don't even know how to experience emotions, how to deal with them Mm -hmm. as, as logical beings, because we don't have sort of the rational thought patterns And, and God forbid we go for a 15 minute walk in nature, breathe some air and experience like sort of the natural anti-anxiolytic effects that right. come from those types of things. Uh, and so I, I can appreciate, you know, the idea of having the opportunity for most people to actually just sit, right? Mm-hmm. Just yep. experience perceived boredom and who knows what will come to fruition and what sort of thoughts and emotions you're going to be forced to navigate by virtue of navigating them, you develop the resilience to acknowledge, Mm -hmm. understand, and overcome those emotions. I think that's really one of the most important things that we can, we can do for ourselves. So we all know like the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do to you. I actually like it inverted. I would say do unto yourself as you would have done unto others. Because most people treat themselves like shit and are great to their best friend. Right. right? So I, that's why I like to flip that is if you put everything through the lens of what would you do for someone like your kid? Like if you're like, if, if you feel, if you're not allowing yourself to sit with your negative emotions, would you like, what if your best friend had a bad day and they're like, hey, I need to talk to you. You'd probably be like, tell me about it. And you're zoned in on them. But when it's Mm. you had the bad day and you're sad, you won't sit with it. You won't allow yourself. Like, this is the cool thing. People will say, Jared, it's one of the biggest misconceptions. They'll go, Jared, I started meditating and journaling and doing that shit you said, but like, I'm more anxious than ever. And I, and it, I didn't feel any difference. And I go, imagine not of taking a shit for 40 years. And then you go take a shit for the first time. Of course, it's going to be uncomfortable. But the problem is everyone has this expectation of it being a Zen experience. But the Mm -hmm. cool thing is forcing yourself to like, all right, every day I'm going to sit for five minutes in silence. I'm every time I feel triggered, I'm going to journal about what I feel instead of going to the pantry. Yeah. It's going to be awkward at first. And you're finally for the first time allowing your brain to talk back to you. But then all of a sudden later, like within the first month, you'll, you'll say you'll have a bad day and you're like, ah, I need to go sit with it. Like Mm -hmm. my friends can tell when I haven't meditated lately, my wife can tell when I've gotten lazy with my journaling because I'm just like on edge or I'm anxious or I um, am not very equanimous if we want to call it that, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's crazy how like getting into this realm, you're like, oh my gosh, this is uncomfortable. But then 30 days in, you're like, fuck, I need it. Almost like you need water. It's crazy. I, I agree with you in that the more that we have to give ourselves the opportunity to embrace it, acknowledge it, the more comfortable we get with Absolutely. it. And that's that's what I consistently see, not only with myself, but of, of course with clients as well, is putting ourselves in situations that we know are going to be challenging. And then really just kind of sure. being open to what comes from it. Did it go well? Mm-hmm. Did it not go well? If it didn't go well, what can I do better? And by virtue of continuing to do that, right, then you're learning, you're growing, you're improving, you're mm-hmm. being challenged. And that's how our brain grows. That's how we grow as individuals. You mentioned kind of social media. We talked about mm-hmm. stimulation. I think a lot of people, and, and I know you're a lot bigger on social media than I am, and which is part of why I wanted to ask you this, Jared, is obviously a lot of people, I think, have a complex relationship with social media, especially it pertains to health and fitness goals. And I guess as someone who is more active in social media, who who has a bigger following, who takes it as a, a 
producer content creator standpoint versus a consumer standpoint, what sort of advice would you give to people as to the slippery relationship with sure. social media? Um, it's one of those things like uh, every, everything good has a dichotomy, right? I try to teach like, no matter what, everything good has a dichotomy. Like, um, think of, take of you and your wife, for example, do you want to be up each other's ass every second of the, of the day? Probably not. Do you want to go six months without seeing each other? Probably not. So where's the, where's the middle ground, right? It's in there somewhere, right? Like we all know that like with, with nutrition, um, you can totally make cookies and donuts fit in your calories. Should you have all of your calories come from, 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 come from cookies and donuts? Probably not. Is it okay to have a, an occasional cookie and donut in your calories? Absolutely. So where's the middle ground? It's a dichotomy. Social media is no different. If I let that thing control the way I think my emotional state, my stability and my energy every day, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But I use social media that impacts people's lives in crazy ways. I would, you and I wouldn't have met without social media, right? If we back totally. our chain up, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's the same thing. So I think part of it is being hyper aware. I think half of life's problems that we go through, um, would be fixed if we all became self-aware fun fact, it's hard to become self-aware if you won't sit with yourself. Um, so kind of like wrapping that thing back, but, um, but if you are self-aware and can tell like, wow, my anxiety is always up when I get on Instagram. Maybe I should audit the accounts I follow on Instagram. That's the thing mm -hmm. is that where social media gets dangerous. Cause that's the thing is why is it some people's lives get crazy better with social media and they feel light and elated and great. And others are depressed as fuck. Um, I think a lot of it is most people don't take ownership over the accounts they follow and how they choose to use it as a tool. I mm -hmm. see people all the time telling me they're like, I had to delete social media because I just couldn't stand my newsfeed. I'm like, you approve everything that goes through your newsfeed. Why don't we take accountability over our actions and what we're choosing, our, where our attention yeah. goes? I mean, yeah, you, like I, I think everyone needs to go through a, a phase every month of blocking and unfollowing, right? Like, let's say someone you started to follow now turns into like whatever style of an account, whether like every every post is about how the world's ending. Well, that's not very good for your anxiety. Mm -hmm. Let's say every account, let's say someone doesn't do anything wrong, but you follow, find an account that every time you see their, them post shots of their abs and you think that's them 24, seven, 365, every time you shit on yourself, well, maybe you should quit following only those accounts, or maybe we should do the inner work around it to understand that like, just cause they're shredded doesn't mean anything less about you. Right. I think a, a, most people with social media need to take way more accountability and ownership over how they're choosing to operate it. Cause it's your, so that's a crazy thing. It's your social media. And the thing is, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all these things only show you two different things. They show you one, what you personally approve, what you clicked follow, what you clicked friend, what you clicked like. But then it also shows you only things that you spend time watching. So if you go to my, let's say TikTok page or, or like my Instagram um, explore page, you're going to see lots of fitness people, lots of watches, lots of pit bulls, um, lots of cars and like some like in lots of entrepreneur stuff. Well, fuck that's in lots of tattoos. And it's like, wow, that's pretty Jared to a T it's because I spend a lot of time on those things. So it shows me more. So if you're mm -hmm. only seeing toxic, negative bullshit, that's making you fucked up. That's what you're telling it to show you. So you need to audit what you're actively choosing to click follow to. And then also what you're actually choosing to spend time watching. So I think people can fix all that whole, that whole relationship with social media is taking ownership over their actions. What do you think that coaches can be doing better through social media? 
Uh, I think coaches can do a better job at being more transparent and open. So like it, there's a difference. You don't want to come on as a coach. Like there are times I show like my bad days. I show um, me in every light possible because I don't want people to look at my life who has got like a bigger following that's doing some stuff. And they're like, oh, Jared has all his shit together where it's like, no, not at all. Today kicked my ass or today was a rough day in therapy or hey, uh, whatever happens, you know, um, everyone knows right now, like I'm very open about the fact that I've been on my own fat loss journey. Um, and it's been struggling because I just found out my testosterone mm. is tanked. So I'm very open about me getting on TRT and injecting testosterone twice a week. So when they see me out of nowhere, start losing weight and feeling better and looking better. I'm not saying, Oh yeah, I just buy my program. It's like, no, uh, my testosterone was fucking in the trash. So now it's where normal men's is at. So just show, I think showing, showcasing more of your whole life. So people don't think you're this perfect being is one. Um, cause like, again, the amount of people I, I know who think people are like shredded all year round, like, like, uh, it, it, and have these false expectations. Like most people don't realize so many of the fit spos people follow are either steroid and out of their gourd. Or, um, I know people who will go do like a bodybuilder prep, like a crazy unsustainable diet, like prep take 400 pictures and that's their Instagram for the next two years. Whereas they don't look like that anymore, but people think right. they do, or you'll see people like, like basically lead a facade of a life. So I think coaches can do a better mm -hmm. job at showing their whole life. No fitness professional I know has their shit together or no. leads a, a perfect life by any stretch, even if that was a thing. And frankly, I would say that most fitness professionals are more fucked up than probably the average person, which yeah, I really do think a level of authenticity. That's why we do what we do, because probably we've been fucked up on our own journey and we've mm -hmm. kind of figured a few things out along the way by virtue of really just being forced to, sure. to then realize, hmm, interesting. This is something that I can actually really help other people with. So I would say that probably most fitness people, for lack of a better term, have only the best intentions yep. in mind, but it's really the facade that uh, I think is, is very deceptive, right? Around people thinking that this is what needs to happen mm -hmm. to thinking that they don't eat carbs and never right. drink alcohol and are right. always shredded to the gills. And it's just like, dude, this is not real world. Mm -hmm. I, I see that even go so far. Like I know fitness coaches personally who if they make a post that gets under a hundred likes, they'll take it down because they want to leave the facade of every post they make has to crush, right? Like all this whole, the whole nine yards. And it's like, if everyone just let go of expectations and the concept of who gives a fuck what everyone else thinks, everyone would like quit comparing, comparing the game. Everyone, to be honest, it's, it's one of the best business moves. Like if you want to call it a business right. tactic to do it, like authenticity and being real and transparent is one of the best business moves ever. That's not why I right. do it. I just don't like, to, I don't want to play this two-faced card. Like I don't want to be this Jared version online. Then someone meets me in person. They're like, Oh, that Ooh. was a character. Oh, that's disappointing. But like people will trust you more. You'll relate to more people and you won't feel like you're like walking on eggshells. Cause you have to put this online persona on. This has been awesome. 40 minutes have absolutely flown by. And so um, let's leave our listeners with uh, the ways that they can connect with you. Of course. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. You, you're really Dude, good absolutely. at this. 
Um, no, easiest place to find me is I hang out most days on my, if you're into shorter form content, Instagram and TikTok, my handle is the same, both at real Jared Hamilton. Um, if you like the longer form stuff, I have a YouTube account, um, just youtube.com forward slash Jared Hamilton. And then I have a podcast called dieting from the inside out. If you really like this deeper level shit. Um, and then I also have a, a community of like what I call my home base where a lot of my community member people are at, uh, it's a Facebook group called fat loss simplified, um, where basically like it's the home base for a lot of the people in our community. So beautiful, man, for all you guys listening one, thank you so much for tuning in. Obviously Jared is a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and, and passion, which I, I appreciate so much. All of those links are going to be in the show notes below. So go check those out. If what Jared had to say resonated with you, then please go give him a follow and join his free community. Um, great dude from the inside out. I can attest to that. And uh, listen, brother, such a pleasure having you on. Um, we'll definitely have to do this again soon. Absolutely. And uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 